This is More Than Work, the podcast reminding you that your self-worth is made up of more than your job title. Each week, I'll talk to a guest about how they discovered that for themselves. You'll hear about what they did, what they're doing, and who they are. I'm your host, Rabia. I work in IT, perform stand-up comedy, write, volunteer, and, of course, podcast. Thank you for listening. Here we go. Hello, welcome back to More Than Work Podcast, or if this is your first time joining, thanks for being here for the first time, and I hope that you enjoy this episode and you check out some other episodes I've had. A couple weeks ago, I said I wasn't going to do this intro anymore. I was not just going to kind of go right into the podcast, and I decided that now I really miss doing this part of the podcast, because I think it's a good time for me to just talk about something I need to Uh, share with people or maybe if I want to do promos of other podcasts like promo swaps and if you do hear noise by the way like honking horns it's because I have not been able to get a quiet moment (laughs) here in London where I live because people are just constantly honking their horns as we all know that makes traffic move (laughs) so um, anyway you may not hear it and then you'll just wonder why I even mentioned it but I can't tell right now if you'll hear it or not so Um, basically I wasn't going to do the intro thinking I could save myself a few minutes a week on the podcast. And now I'm trying to do the podcast every other week. I don't really like that too much either, but the fact is I work full time, do stand up comedy and do volunteer work. And I want to make sure I'm delivering quality episodes and getting really great guests, but also having time like downtime for myself. And I think in the spirit of more than work, I am just trying to make adjustments that, that work for me and that will work for the listeners. So thanks for your patience. I may do episodes weekly sometimes, and I may do every other week, and just depends on how many guests I have lined up and how much time I have too. So I'm really excited to bring you this episode with Sacred Walker. I won't talk too much about it other than tell you that I did meet her in person, so we talk about it on the podcast at some point that I'm going to New York, and she's in New York, but I did get to meet her. She actually, she she's a person of her word. She showed up at one of my gigs in New York when I was performing at the tiny cupboard. That was really awesome. So I don't really get to meet people from the podcast in person too often. And that was really awesome and special. So anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. And if you take away anything from this beginning part, it's just that setting batteries takes work and figuring out what those boundaries are takes work. And so that's why there's a little bit of flux on the podcast right now. And thanks for understanding. I'll let you get to the episode now. So everyone, today I have a guest who was actually recommended by a previous guest and we got along really well. So Niketa Renpin was on the show quite a while ago and we've been in touch here and there and she brought me Sacred Walker. So I'm happy to welcome her. She's CEO of Kumba Health International Coaching Institute and mental health and mind, body, soul health enthusiast. And that was a lot for me to get through, but we'll talk about what all that means. So how are you doing, Sacred? I'm wonderful. It's good to, good to see you, Bia. How are you? Good, good. Thank you. So where am I talking to you from? I'm calling in today from Brooklyn, New York, and I'm so excited to be connecting with people tuning in from all over today. Awesome. I think just really, we'll start out with what your institute is and just talk about that and, and, and how you found it and what you're doing there. Yeah, sure. So we've been around for over a decade, and we focus on working with those who are excellence-driven, usually ambitious leaders who want to because of they've had something from their past that was painful, or they've had something in their family that was a health challenge, 
and I want to do something different than the way that they kind of were raised or grew up. So mm-hmm. we're kind of we're, tend to work with underdogs around their mental health, their emotional health, and their mind-body health so that they can be the powerhouses they are. And um, we tend to work really aligned with people who are the one of something in their role. So they're executives or they're entrepreneurs. And somewhere along the way, they're like the became an island of one. And so mm-hmm. they're at the place where they're like, they hit that glass ceiling, they broke through, but they really want to connect with others. And so because of that, we build online communities that are focused in on self-love, self-care and success so that they can connect with one another so they can thrive. Amazing. And so how did you get into doing this, this work? I mean, I know I've read, like, and we talked about you're a minister, an interfaith minister for one thing, but you're a coach and you do kind of a lot of different things. So how did you get into this specific work with these kind of people? Yeah, absolutely. So I started out at first, to be honest, working with those around mental health. I was doing one-on-one and private practice, and I was combining my background of drama therapy and mental health therapy with interfaith ministry because sometimes people come to healing because they're like, yes, I'm ready to get support from a therapist. And other times they just really need something that feels very soulful. They need something that's going to feel like they can really get that holistic approach, something that honors their faith background. And so I had Mm -hmm. enough people who felt like their faith and their healing went hand in hand that I really kind of focused in on that. Um, But what I kept finding was that they really were experiencing transformation in our work. They were sleeping better. Their headaches were starting to go away. They started to have less uh, stomach issues because they were stressing mm-hmm. less and noticing they were communicating clearly with their partner. But their stress was still high because the work environment they were in was actually really stressful. And what they realized was, yeah, this is great that I'm you know, transforming my life. But what happens when I go back to my workplace and that's actually the source of my stress? So we began to do works where we began at first to work with individuals and then we started going into their companies and helping them function better, helping them to understand how do you work with someone who has a partner who is LGBT, right? Or how do you work with someone who is of a culturally different background or of Muslim background and you don't cause them stress just by them being who they are? Right. And so eventually we said, you know what? It's great that we can transform their workplace, but how about we help them build community? So when they leave work, they can connect, they can exhale and they can take care of themselves in a new way. Yeah. Well, and what's interesting about what you said about people who maybe are working in an environment where they're maybe the only LGBT person or the only person of color or something that can be a lot of pressure and Mm -hmm a lot of pressure in different ways that I've seen at work now um, or in the last say two years when there was definitely more of a reckoning than, than there had been before, at least among, I'll just say among white people, you know, and I, I saw it put pressure on coworkers who like maybe someone who's black and they're the only person now. And they are suddenly the person who's supposed to be representing everybody for the people you work with. And that's really, I can see how that's really hard. There's a big difference between like inclusion and belonging too. And I think that's like a big one that I learned was you can include people, but do you make them make sure they belong also? Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that that belonging makes such a difference, but you have to first feel like you belong in your own skin, right? You have to first Mm. feel like you belong and you feel safe inside your head that the inner critic up here isn't louder than the people outside of you that are saying, 
hey, help me understand what it is to be a lesbian or help me understand what it is to be Afro-Caribbean, right? Like if you, sometimes you have to have that inner resilience. And so mm-hmm. you know, we're actually about to launch something called Executives at Ease and it's for executives and entrepreneurs so that we can be in spaces where you don't have to explain yourself. You don't have to tell somebody, hey, this is what we do in the bedroom because it's none of your beeswax, right? <laughs> Hello, as a black lesbian <laughs> myself, right? Like you don't have mm-hmm. to take that time to, really have to be on and you can really experience transformation and self-care in a new way. So it's going to be a self-care immersion because I just realized that sometimes you can't focus on yourself if you constantly are feeling like the critic in the world and the critic up here are saying the same thing. <laughs> you know, yeah. You know, sometimes you need a little break, you know, you need a little time to just TLC and then you can be like, okay, Wonder Woman, let's go powerhouse. Let's go back in the world. But sometimes you need a moment to just recoup. Yeah, no, that's true. And I think I, yeah, definitely have experienced where I thought what I was thinking, everyone else was thinking. And then it turns out they weren't actually, it was just me doing it and me putting all this pressure on myself. And when people, you know, found out what I had to tell them, they were fine. And it was just me the whole time, you know, and it's just, it's an interesting thing to go through that and to to reckon with that. So yeah, you're right. It's, it's a matter of both, really. Yeah, it is definitely a dance. I think that's one of the things that I loved in our first conversation. I remember when I was mm-hmm. listening to you and just hearing about your journey and hearing about how resilient you are. You know, it just, for me, was so refreshing to know that you've overcome so much and then you have poured it into comedy. Like, I call yeah. that like a pain to superpower, you know, journey to be able to see, like, what are the things that we've overcome in the past that didn't stop us, Right. And it could have because they stopped a lot of other people. And how do we transform that and still show up and actually show up even better? You know, so I was like, oh, this is this this sister is badass. I need to be on her. I need to be on her podcast. (laughs) I just felt that I just felt like so refreshed by just hearing your story just off the bat. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And um, and yeah, there's there's always more to the story, too, but it's just you know, you find the ways to share what, what you can at each time and what impacts you. And I guess like, so for you, is there something that brought you to understand that you could help people in these areas because of what you've gone through yourself? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. I would say that for me personally, my pain to superpower um, story was that like I lived through the Crown Heights riots, like growing up in, you know, the Caribbean communities that were both Jewish and Caribbean and seeing the strife there. And then later on, when I came out, you know, being mm-hmm. of LGBT and also Afro-Caribbean, it just felt like you couldn't be both. And it felt like I couldn't find a space there either. And then later on down the line, even when I came out as an entrepreneur, I felt like a lot of people didn't get that. I remember telling someone once that I was going to be a therapist and they were like, are you going to be helping people work out? Like, are you going to be helping people do stretches or build their muscles? And I had to teach that. Well, actually, it is a different muscle, right? It's the emotional muscle. It's the muscle that we oftentimes underestimate how it can really transform the world when we take care of ourselves, how we show up. So I had so many situations that I felt that. And actually, recently, I was in a situation where I was being gaslighted and I didn't even know, right? That I was going through this experience where someone who I was in collaboration with, who I thought, you know, we were in one path, kept saying one thing, but was doing another. 
And it wasn't until I actually ended up taking them to court, like literally I had to be proactive and took them to court that I realized, oh, this is triggering my stuff from the past where I felt like this little girl in me wanted to cower back. And I was like, you know what? I have a choice. I have a choice of letting the underdog in me stand up and say no more, or I can shrink back because I'm afraid of what if no one believes me, right? And so that's, for me, that's a real thing. So I think I've had all these moments that made me realize, you know what? For me anyway, my sole mission is God calling me to say, you know what? You've been called to this. I've put you through all these different experiences. Use those things for your greater good and help other people do the same thing. Um, So I tend to attract people who are like me, who are service oriented, Mm -hmm. who care about the world. But sometimes if they're not careful, they're taking care of everybody else because they're used to being the underdog. So they're taking care of everybody else and don't often take care of themselves. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. And yeah, because you don't learn to do that sometimes when you're surviving, you're trying to please everyone or you're trying to just defend against like, yeah, people even gaslighting you or whatever went on in your home. So that that makes total sense. And so then um, you coined the term love medicine coaching. So do you want to talk a little bit about what that means? Sure. So love is an acronym and L stands for living your principles, meaning that sometimes you get clear that what your principles are and what you've been doing all along are different. You're like, oh shoot, I'm in this job. Like I had someone I worked with that was a journalist and she started doing a lot of click through bait uh, kind of articles. And she felt like she was really tired of just writing more pop culture things. She actually really wanted to write about advocacy and human rights. And so we were able to position her as an expert online in her niche So she actually got a promotion because once she got clear about these are my principles, all of a sudden she started living out loud in a clearer way, more confidently. And then she was able to level up. Right. So I believe like living, living your principles helps you level up, level up. Then always for opportunity. Right. It's like, okay, I recognize that I am the opportunity. Right. Like I am my own differentiator, as we say in business. So what is the opportunity that I am being presented as and how do I step into it? These to for turning your vices to victory. Like I'm a recovering shopaholic. I was the queen of like putting on these power suits, showing up in these boardrooms. And even when I showed up in some of those spaces, I literally had, I remember once I was in, I'm a you know a member of a certain chamber that I will not speak the name. And someone passed me their coat and said, ma'am, can you please hang this up for me? And even though I was in my power suit, they assumed that I was the person putting away the coats because I couldn't possibly be the executive that was actually the keynote for the evening. Right. And so for me, those are vice to victory moments that I remember I I was spending on the outside because I felt like a fraud on the inside because I was like, Oh my gosh, if I just had the right suit on, then they wouldn't treat me that way. And I realized, wait a minute, that's not on me. That's not on me. So how could I actually show up in my power suit? But sometimes I didn't need to buy 50 power suits and actually feel like a fraud on the inside, I can do that work with a therapist or a coach so that I can actually be victorious and actually shift that spending. And now I can spend that money on taking myself on a vacation after I did the keynote versus feeling like you talking to me in that way was my fault. Because sometimes we mistake the outside voice for the inside voice. That's vice of victory. And E is emerging in your unmatched potential. Like recognizing that you are one and only you 
And the way I see it, that spirit in whatever way and name you call it, whether it's Jehovah, whether you call it, you know, Messiah, whether you call it Elohim, you know, whether you call it Baha'i, like whoever you move with, whatever faith you move with, that we get a chance to say that you're emerging in your unmatched potential. And then that's how we stand in love. Hmm. Yeah, that's really cool. And I mean, it's a lot to, I'm sure anyone listening and when, when this is posted, I mean, we'll really have to think about it for a minute, you know, cause I'm, I was like kind of reflecting on those things. And I think especially it's interesting that journalists living in her values, because I think that that helps so much when you can, when you're brave enough to say what they are sometimes too, because sometimes your values won't align with what you, your beliefs about yourself are even. And, and then you have to work really hard to change those just to be living in your truth, but, and, and yeah, not chasing money necessarily sometimes to, to live in that. I think the younger people are starting to do that where they're making decisions based on their values, not based on everything else. And I think people my age and older um, didn't do that for a while. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a learning curve, mm-hmm. you know, which is interesting. Absolutely. And depending on your family too, like if you come from a family that says one thing is valuable than the other, and sometimes mm-hmm. to be honest, there have been plenty of folks that I've worked with that have gotten clear on their values and realized they were undervaluing themselves. That because they were so afraid of really standing in their truth, or maybe they stood in their truth and sometimes got knocked down, they were able to call in, well, actually, this is how much I'm really worth. And if I speak into it and I show that I you know, have that value, then I can call in more than I currently am. And they've actually called in books. They've been able to ask for promotions. They've been able to start their own businesses and they ended up making more on the other side of working through with the L. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you found there's one aspect that's just generally more difficult for people or does it just vary by the individual? You know what? I would say the biggest thing that I find in kind of taking people through the love medicine method is the habits that stick. So sometimes people come in. The biggest thing that I find is that people know that taking care of yourself is important and they know that self-love is important, but being an executive at ease means that you have regular habits that you stick with. That's the biggest thing. Or even identifying, yeah, I know that technically me stress eating at two in the morning is going to actually make me exhausted and not have enough energy for the day. I know that, but uh, it's within reach and I'm tired and I just want a quick snack, right? But it's like, understanding the deeper issues. Sometimes when we unpack it some more, we realize, oh, this is why. I just want comfort food. Like I know when I, my mom transitioned, I started craving oxtail. Now, mind you, I'm a pescatarian, right? There, usually I'm not eating beef and I was craving oxtail and I was eating oxtail and my stomach started hurting and I was feeling sluggish, but I was like, this oxtail was so delicious. And there's nothing wrong with eating beef for those who do, but there was something I was craving. And when I began to do my own work, I realized, oh, I'm just missing home. I'm missing the comfort of home. So sometimes habits can experience a breakthrough when you understand where do those habits come from. And then when we begin to do the work one-on-one or in masterminds, we realize, oh, habits can actually stick when you understand what's driving them. So then you go back into the driver's seat. But I would say that's the biggest thing is helping people to create consistent habits And then we hold them accountable for those habits so that you can thrive versus feeling like you're sabotaging or depleting your energy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because then you've taken away the negative thing, too, about like the person who's eating at 2 a.m. or whatever. And they're just saying how bad they are, the food's bad or whatever. But it's just really, oh, this is why 
I'm doing it and this is where I'm not fulfilled and this would be a habit that would fulfill me instead. Exactly. So then now I have a habit of maybe I'll eat oxtail once a month, but I'll also light a candle in her honor. I'll also take mm-hmm. the time to go to the water and walk alongside the beach and give honor to my ancestors and my tradition. And I'll take a, a moment to center myself. And then in that, all of a sudden, insights will come. That's actually how Executives at Ease came, right? I was walking alongside the water and I literally heard a voice in my spirit that said, I'm proud of you. And that's all I needed to hear. The oxtail wasn't going to give me that. <laughs> but I needed that. I needed to hear, I'm proud of you. And then all of a sudden, all these insights come. I think people forget like laughing, play, comedy, walking, centering oneself, the power of mindfulness. Sometimes we think, oh, it's just, you know, we're, we're out in the world, doing our own thing, we're running away. It actually can give you insight. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And I wouldn't have had that if I didn't realize that's where it was coming from. So sometimes that's why working with a coach can help with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I've talked to different, it's funny because I have some friends who, you know, have gone to traditional therapy, some who have used coaches and some who just say they don't need it. Mm -hmm. I don't need it. I'm good. I handle things myself. And I always question that. Mm -hmm. And I want to interrogate that because it's like, well, you've been complaining about the same thing for the last two years, but you think you're good and can handle it. Why? Like, just, I don't know. I just, what do you say to people who resist coaching or resist the idea of any kind of coaching or therapy or anything and and think they can do it alone? You know, I have to admit that with all due respect, I find to let people be where they are Mm -hmm. for me personally and the coaches that I'm fortunate to be a part of our team. Because what I have found is that when sometimes there's, there's different levels, right? Like a car, sometimes a car needs a tune up, right? And you're coming in and you're like, Oh, I'm hearing a little something. Okay. All right. Like with the body, you might feel like, Oh, there's a little tinge in my stomach there. I don't know. Every time I eat, I hear a sound, you know, and you might be someone who goes to the doctor when you hear a sound or you might be something, you know, I hear a creak in my stomach every time I eat. And it sounds like this little air, you know, coming whenever I eat. But, you know, I'm sure it'll be fine. I'll deal with it. You know, I can handle it. Right. Because sometimes that speaks to intimacy. That's that's about attachment. How do you feel if it's okay to be vulnerable or how do you feel like it's okay to be taken care of? And if you are not ready, I can tell you till the cows come home that that sound might be a gastrointestinal issue or that might be actually a precursor for you having a major issue down the line, but you're not ready for that. And that's okay. That's when you come and you get to join our well-being Wednesday, join the group on Facebook. You get to tag me and ask sacred, join the group, connect, say hi to people, you know, send memes, do your thing, hang out, have, have fun, have a gag, right? Because you're just, you're, you're not really like the, the, the car needs a little oil, but you're like, mm, yeah, okay, I think I can drag it. It's a Honda, I can stretch it out, right? Then maybe maybe a couple months down the line, all of a sudden, you haven't gone to the bathroom for a week. Oh, red flag, because now the body's in crisis. Now you're snapping at your partner. You're like, what did I, what's going on? What did I do? Or now you're noticing that the way you're managing your business is, is, is under surge, Right? Because sometimes our emotions affect our financial management. All kinds of things are intersected. So now the car is like, it's dragging. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're seeing the, the, the light flash. Now the taillight is also out. You're like, oh, shit. Like, 
I should have just taken it to get the oil changed. But at that point, if you bring it to the mechanic and you say, you know, I'm good. I actually don't need your help. The mechanic is going to say, okay, I'll see you when you're ready. Right? So fortunately, what I have found is that resistance just means that you have different levels of what you are comfortable with and how you are ready to receive help. And that's okay. There are different levels for that. And then when you're ready, then you can join the mastermind. And then you can come in because you are ready to get those hard questions answered. But we get to look at our blind spots. So whether you're somebody who comes in and you're like, oil change, let's go. And then you might actually end up saving your internal engine because you got that fixed early. So you end up saving more money in the long run. Or you're someone who waits and all of a sudden you can't go to the bathroom for the week. And we're like, oh, shoot, this requires surgery. Oh, shoot, I wish now I have to invest a couple thousand, right, versus investing, you know, something that could actually a little ginger that might have helped to still my stomach early because actually it was more based in emotions than I realized, right? So I think it's just wherever you are, great, but I would always heed for those who are struggling. If you're hearing this, you're tuning in now and you're hearing this, just see, just know that help is available, but similar to the mechanic. If you show up and say, I actually don't need help, you get a chance to say, you know what? You join the group, you connect, you interact, you say, hey, hey, but don't ignore the fact that your stomach has been telling you, poke, poke, I need you. That makes sense. And it's a good way of of looking at it and just kind of, yeah, I really like that. Because it's always, whenever I do have someone who co- is a coach or therapist or something, or that I even talk to in my personal life, I always like to know how they handle those kind of conversations with people. Mm-hmm. But it's like a very compassionate way, which isn't surprising, really. <laughs> it's so sweet. And it's also super respectful, right? It's like, why do I need to force you to buy the car if you're still looking? Mm-hmm. You know when you're ready and maybe you are still learning along the way what it is that you need. And when that aha moment comes, sometimes people are more in crisis mode than they are in kind of tune-up mode. And those are different places. Yeah, that's cool. So as far as just your way of, I mean, you're obviously pursuing what you're passionate about and and what you've come to know as your purpose, but still like in doing coaching work and being involved with people's emotions, I'm sure there's a time where you have to detach from it. And so what do you do to give yourself space and, and get away from work? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say that I recently went whale watching my partner. And I have not seen whales in years since I was a young girl. And I was able to take some time away to exhale and to just be. And it was beautiful. And I would say that being at the ocean is probably one of my go-to places. I gained the most clarity from there. And just on a day-to-day basis, to be honest, I'm a writer. I love journaling. I love taking some time to just write things out. I love creating. I love creating vision boards. You know, whenever something feels super unclear to me and I need just an exhale moment, I think those three things are the things that bring me the most joy is taking some time at the ocean, taking some time to write or journal. When I was younger, I used to do a lot of poetry. That was my thing. And taking some time to create a vision board when my vision doesn't feel so clear, I just step back and take a moment so that I can move forward. That's really cool. And yeah, I just did a writing class on Sunday, I just, I'd wanted to go for like a year and I never went. And it was so cool just to sit and not have to 
feel pressure about what I was doing, but just to do it and be in a space with other people, you mm-hmm. know, who were just there for the same thing. And mm-hmm. yeah, cause sometimes people put pressure on themselves about the writing, but it's really just what you're saying, like poetry or something else. It doesn't have to be specific. So it's good. Yeah. Uh, yeah just to be able to connect with like-minded folks who are just kind of looking across the room and being vulnerable, right? Like, even if you're like a closet creative, you know, like, you know, some people are like, I'm not creative. You know, like my partner's big, biggest joke is that they're like, okay, well, I do a shoulder roll when we go out dancing. It's like my shoulder, like that's the level of their creativity. You know, and it's like all have different levels of creativity, right? But I personally feel like for those who are tuning in, sometimes it can feel like, like, oh, you get a chance to write, you create, like I write work, like workbooks, like for people who bring, do coaching, they kind of get their own workbook. But sometimes it can be fun to just, Say, like, I'm going to write without any expectation. And sometimes mm-hmm. the most be- – I've heard other people write and create, or times I've run uh, women of color writing circles. I've heard people write, and I'm like, that just came out of these, like, Afrofuturistic things. And it's like, I create the future where the future is bright and the world is free of racism and homophobia. And all of a sudden, you know, Xantax, the warrior, breaks up, and it's just like – this is powerful and prophetic. You know, I just, I just, I am, I'm a lover of Octavia Butler and I'm a lover of writing that just speaks something that comes from this other place. You know, I think it's, I think it's the most beautiful thing. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So, um, do you have any, I mean, we've talked quite a bit, but do you have any advice or mantra that you'd like to share with people just that maybe that grounds you or that you just feel like it's important people hear from you? I would say when you get up in the morning, take some time where you, and I'm happy to send this as a love offering for anyone who direct messages me on Ask Sacred or Facebook or Instagram, but take some time to write out, and I do this every morning, what do you want, what do you need, what do you desire, deserve, and wish for? I recommend doing that daily. There can be something that gets clear, like if I write, like, I really want a smoothie. It's like, oh, okay, you know, or I really want a hug, you know, you know, and I really need a raise, real. Let's, let's make, let's figure out how to call that in, you know. I really desire good lovemaking. Okay, let's figure out how we tune into that in your relationship, or maybe you're want to have good lovemaking with yourself. Heal some of that, Right. It's like, well, I really deserve to be spoken to with respect at work. And I really wish for a community where I feel seen. It's like, okay, well, join the Facebook group or whatever, you know. But it's like sometimes you write those things out daily. And now the truth is, now we've got to manifest it in the day. And I have found that, you know, that has really changed my life. So if you want that in the form of a journal, I'm happy to send that to folks if you direct message me. I do that for anyone who is connected to those in my extended network. And now that you and I are friends and whoever's mm-hmm. listening are friends, you know. Um, but I have found that, that that wish, every time I put a wish down over the years, whether it's taken me a day or years, it's always come. Hmm. Nice. Yeah. 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 So my last set of questions is called the fun five. And I just mm-hmm. ask, ask everybody these questions and it's led to some, an interesting um, Spotify playlist for one thing, but uh, <laughs> so what's the oldest t-shirt you have and still wear? The oldest t-shirt that I have is ironic because I work with people. 
And for those who are listening, I need you to know that that doesn't mean I love you any less. But what it says is some of my best friends are animals. So it's pretty much insinuating like uh, people, not so much. (laughs) (laughs) And it's a shirt that I've had since high school. And it has all these different animals on it. And I kid you not, it's a little tight, but it still fits. And it's one of my favorite shirts. Some of my best friends are animals. (laughs) That's cute. Yeah. All right, good. And it's good. I mean, as far as still fitting, it's very weird, though. Some of the clothes, I don't know how big we wore them back then, too. Right. That part. Because I'm like, 20 years ago, I was still coming into myself. (laughs) And I was a little, you know, I was a little bit. (laughs) And, you know, our bodies morph, but we still can hold on to the little pieces. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So, if every day was really Groundhog's Day, like it seemed for quite a while when we were all more in our homes than we have to be now, what song would you have your alarm clock play every morning? The current song that I listen to every day that plays at 5.55 a.m., literally, is I Am Light by India Ari. Oh. And it's so beautiful. It's like, I am not my past. I'm not what you've said about me. I am light. I'm like, I'm, once I heard it, I was like, and this is me. So... All about that. For those who don't know Indiari, amazing singer, check her out. You'll thank me later. Second song, I feel like everyone is like waking up like to it now, is Beyonce, You Won't Break My Soul. And I oh my God. That's the, the, I think it's like Break Your Soul or something. And I'm like, that is, that is everything. I, I'm pretty sure my teenage self that was into R&B and punk rock would probably throw on a punk rock skirt and a flower top and like, you won't break my soul like going to high school. So I feel like that song is probably going to be with me for a long time. <laughs> it's um, it's so good. And my friend was telling me about too. I didn't realize, but he was telling me that because when you listen to the remix with the Vogue um, stuff inserted and just how mm-hmm. she names all the designers, all the fashion houses that were appropriated basically. Mm-hmm. And even Madonna had appropriated Voguing from all the houses back so it was it was interesting to and he watched pose and so pose covers a lot of that and so i don't know it was just it made me love it even more just learning that about it but it's a the album's great yeah. and i i will admit like i'm not someone who's probably ever listened to beyonce that much mm-hmm. just because i listen to other artists and i think she's good but then i listen to the hits and that's it mm-hmm. but this one i've been like it's there's no skips yeah. You just go through the whole thing. Yeah. So it's good. No, absolutely. That's absolutely. like part one of three or something like yeah. that too. Yeah, and I was like, like, and counting down. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I recently was in a Black Pride NYC commercial and I was able to be, I mean, I'm a big fan of the ballroom scene in general. Mm-hmm. Before this, I was working in LGBT adolescent medicine prior to stepping into my private practice full time. And I have to admit like the vibe and the energy And then being in this commercial and being in community, I just have a real love for the songs that remind you that you are like on the runway and you are embodying fierceness and you are feeling included because you made yourself feel included. So I agree with you. Like for her to honor that legacy for me was pretty awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. So, yeah. All right. So coffee or tea or neither? Tea, chai, Half and half, three pumps of caramel, delicious. Nice. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I discovered chai, like real chai, like when I lived in India when I was studying mind body medicine. And I have to admit that once you taste the robustness of the flavors, yeah, 
I actually don't drink coffee at all. That's probably good. Just being someone who drinks what I would say is too much coffee. That's probably good. <laughs> Can you think of something that just like cracks you up or a time you laughed so hard you cried or just anything that kind of gets you going in that way? Just, I, and I, this question, I don't know why it's just, I like to know because I think it's yeah. funny to know what makes people laugh. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I have a thing about laughter that I'm like, okay, this has gotten really, really deep. And can we also bring in some humor? Like, so I'm a, I'm a big fan of the fact that you've asked this question. Childhood thing that still exists, two things. Childhood thing that still exists is put me on a swing. I crack up so hard that you would think that someone is tickling me. I mean, definitely. And I, and I want whoever's listening to know this doesn't mean that you now get to put me on swings. This is not what I'm inviting. <laughs> but me going on a swing on my own. <laughs> yeah, I laugh. I laugh like it's nobody's business, number one. Number two, I pull affirmation cards every time I meet with a client or I'm doing a mastermind. And I usually have somebody like pull a, a card and they, they, they're like, oh my gosh, I want that one. Every single time. And sometimes I don't laugh a lot because I don't want it to be like, I don't want you to feel uncomfortable. I'm like, cause I naturally am a giggler, right? Every single time they're like, how did you know? Like the reaction, <laughs> who told you? Cause the cards are always on point. And they're like Oracle cards too. So it's just like that one. Oh my God. That for me, like tickles my whole stomach. Cause I'm like, never fails. I'm a mystic. Can't help it. Of course. You chose the card. You're powerful too. What are you going to do? So that for me is a combo. Like, and I don't think, I think I actually laugh just as hard as I do when I'm on the swings when that happens, but on the inside. <laughs> on the inside. Yeah. Just. Yeah. Cool. All right. And the last one, who inspires you right now? Hmm. In addition to my mom, who's my ever inspiration, who else inspires me? I would say, I mean, I, as I said before, your story definitely inspired me. So that was one. And my mom, and then who else? I would say, to be honest, I would say Octavia Butler. I have to go back to her. That book that she wrote, Parable of the Talents, where she was just like, God is change, you are change. It just really, for me, like, just reminds me of the power of change. And she wrote in the 80s. Like, she was writing in the 80s and 90s about stuff like flat screens and all kinds of things that were not around. So for me, it's just... I don't know. I just have a real respect for visionaries and creatives. And I just really, really, really respect and appreciate Octavia Butler. So every once in a while, I'll kind of go back and reread one of her many books. And if you don't know her, those who are tuning in, you will also thank me later for, check, you know, introducing to her. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Good. So then as far as if people want to find you, they want to join your Facebook group, any of that stuff, where do you want them to go? Sure. So I would say the most direct way is if you go to Facebook and you check out Ask Sacred, like asking a question, and you can on the Facebook page request to join the group, right? So we have a love and level up group that I think is awesome. And every Wednesday we have something called Wellbeing Wednesday. So we do watch parties in there, people interact. Jump in, say hi, take a picture, show your face, say hello, meet and greet, all that good stuff. So that would be a one good place. And then I'm also on Instagram at the same place. So I would say that's another good place and ask sacred. And then you can also connect on LinkedIn at Sacred Walker. So um, I would say those are three good places. And then for those who are interested in the executives and entrepreneurs at Ease Mastermind that's going to be coming up, the retreat that we have, 
that's focused on like transformation and the self-care immersion. If you feel like you're someone who kind of broke the glass ceiling and sometimes it can be lonely at the top and you want to connect with some other visionaries who make an impact and take the better good care of yourself and really kind of gain some tools. But also if you have a team or you don't, just model the self-care that the world needs. We are going to be announcing that. So if you request us on either Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn, and you send me a direct message, then that I'll connect you to that. And then either way, I'm going to send everyone who tunes into fabulous you (laughs) and is tuning in right now. If you direct message me, I'll send you a love medicine journal with the tools that I gave and some other secret surprises your way. So if you direct message us, then my team will respond and connect to you. Okay, cool. Yeah. So if you're listening, you should definitely do that and and get the tools and I'll be doing it too. So sacred. It was wonderful talking to you. It's just, it was a lot of fun and I'm glad we got to connect again. So thanks for being on more than work. Amazing. Amazing. And thank you for having me on. This was probably one of the best podcast experiences I've had. So thanks for those who are listening in. Thanks for listening. You can learn more about the guest and what was talked about in the show notes. Joe Mafia created the music you're listening to. You can find him on Spotify at Joe, M-A-F-F-I-A. Rob Metke does all the design, for which I am so grateful. You can find him online by searching Rob, M-E-T-K-E. Please leave a review if you like the show and get in touch if you have feedback or guest ideas. The pod is on all the social channels at at More Than Work Pod or at Robbie Comedy on TikTok and the website is morethanworkpod.com. While being kind to others, don't forget to be kind to yourself.